Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Podcast, where laughter is a main course and humor is always on the menu. So let's get started, and here's your daily dose of funny. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Bent. He didn't screw up my name. It is Bent. Uh, it's B-E-N-G-T, Swedish name, Swedish, uh, because I am from Utah. <laughs> I know, doesn't make sense. Uh, it is uh, Bent. We say Bent. In Sweden, you would actually pronounce the G. It would be Bengt. Uh, but here in Mapleton, Utah, where I grew up, uh, they never pronounce the G, which is how I get my street name, Silent G. Uh, <laughs> which always came in handy on the mean streets of Mapleton. Uh, it's strange, huh? A Swedish name. Made sense to my mom. If it's a name in Sweden, it's a name in Utah. She told me it was popular in Sweden. It was wildly popular in the 1800s. And uh, armed with that knowledge, she sent me to school. And uh, I came home the first day crying. They said my name's not real. Well, did you tell them that in Sweden, Bent is a common name? Yeah, they said in Utah, Bent is an adjective. <laughs> no, your name is not an adjective. It's a past participle. <laughs> the verb to bend. Mom had a master's in English. So yeah, Swedish name. I was always grateful for my weird little Swedish name, really was, uh, because my brother, Tafeth. <laughs> you can laugh, it's funny. Tafeth. Ancient Welsh for David. Tafeth? Tafeth. <laughs> yeah, my mom dug up a prehistoric name from a dead language. Who does that? Who does that? Well, we were gonna go with Thog. But then we had a boy. So we went with Tafa. It's crazy. <laughs> this is my mom's logic. She said, I don't want my kids having to worry about sharing their names with other kids in their class at school. And mission accomplished. It was the only bent in the Western Hemisphere. And Tafeth? <laughs> We've done a Google search? I've done a Google search. Has it been a Tafeth? I don't ever, I don't think. You Google it, guess what you'll get? Videos of me doing this bit. <laughs> the name stumps Google. 
So I grew up in a, in a weird family. We were a weird, weird family. You don't know you're a weird family, do you? You don't until you go to a normal family house and you play at their house. This is when I found out I was in a weird family. I was at my friend's house and their dog pooped in the living room, just right there. And this was what was weird to me as a six-year-old. They cleaned it up immediately. <laughs> their house, this was a big deal. A dog log in the living room was a big deal. Our house, different rules. This was a rule, oh, let it dry. It'll come up easier. Those are like jello. You gotta let them set a while. We, we always had at least two, three dog logs waiting to dry. And then every, every couple hours you check them with a toothpick. You get down and you just, it's like the brownie principle in the oven. You just, nope, not ready. It is not done yet. This has been here a while. Did that dog eat some lotion again? Because there's like 40 holes that we could play cribbage in that. We didn't play cribbage because we grew up Mormon. Face cards were against the rules. I did grow up Mormon. There's a lot of rules when you grow up Mormon, as you know. There's uh, no drinking, no smoking, no premarital anything. And of course, the most logical rule I learned later, no coffee. It, I know it makes sense now. My friends that didn't grow up Mormon explained to me, no, Ben, it makes sense. You couldn't drink, you couldn't smoke, no premarital anything. Why stay awake? I, we don't even know why you get out of bed. We don't get it. Just stay down. <laughs> it's just gonna get worse. <laughs> it was pretty strict. No swearing either. No swearing. No swearing. Although my mom would spell the swear words. Because then they don't count, apparently. She didn't spell bad words. She didn't spell like a sailor. But she... But I understand spelling in front of, you know, little kids, but there'd be a whole room full of adult readers and she would still, oh, D-A-M at H-E double toothpicks. Said, Mom, we know we can read. We can all read. All of us, so can God, we're pretty sure. He's literate. We think he's highly literate. Like she thought she found a loophole for swearing. She spells it, God's up there. Well, what'd she say? Did anybody, did anybody get that? Did you get that? Was that some sort of a code language? Was that Navajo? That was Navajo. Gabriel, fetch me a wind talker. No swearing. My dad would almost swear. Uh, he'd come close, his favorite. Shoot. I said, shoot. No, you said shoot, which is Texan for shoot, dad. And we couldn't, we couldn't spell swear words even. If we even spelled a swear word, my mom would knuckle us. Did anybody else get knuckled? She would, right here, once your skull congealed, it was fair game for this middle knuckle. Right there, just whack. That knuckle, which eventually was arthritic. <laughs> it's serious, they call it rheumatoid arthritis. I call it karma, but knuckle you. My dad did not knuckle. My dad never knuckled. My dad is a psychiatrist, so he did not believe in hitting to modify behavior. Instead, he would sit us down uh, and adjust our medication. <laughs> Why spank the butt when you can chemically spank the brain? <laughs> These aren't bad kids, they just need bigger pills. 
know? Now I'm old, I'm a parent. I have kids. I agree with mom. I think mom's technique is right. I think kids should be knuckled or spanked. Uh, not hard and not in anger, but at random. <laughs> Just out of the blue, because that's life. Random pain from above is life. Now, what was that for? She happens. Well, he hit him too. Life's not fair. I am married now, kids. My wife, uh, different than me, my wife did not grow up Mormon. My wife grew up Irish Catholic. Yeah, practicing Irish Catholic too. I, I mean, every weekend, uh, drunk. Uh, <laughs> practicing. <laughs> no, she is different than me. For one thing, uh, she has a job. It's quite different. Uh, my wife is an officer in the US Air Force. Yeah, do you know, yeah. Public affairs, public affairs officer. For those who don't know what that, the implications, public affairs officer, that means every morning she has to wake up, put on camouflage clothing designed for jungle combat, and then go to an office, answer emails while dressed like a bush. <laughs> it's dumb, and they know it's dumb. I've told every office she's had, uh, you know, in this environment, I can see you. You stand out. It's really bad. Serious. If, if you had more plants in here, that would help. You could hide. You could stand in front of an open window and sway. That would throw them off. But as it is, if the enemy attacks, here's the plan. Storm the building, shoot all the plants. Lose everybody. You, you should be come, going to work dressed as a file cabinet. With a fax machine helmet. That would make sense. We're a military family. We've moved a lot all over the world. Even seven years ago, my wife was transferred to Germany. So I put my career on hold. Had to make like two calls. Uh, one to my mom slash manager at the time. And then I canceled my cell phone plan and I was ready to go. All the loose ends of my career tied up. and. Uh, Followed my wife to Germany, because she's my wife, right? She's the love of my life. She is the mother of my children. She is the source of my health insurance. Uh, so I had to move to Germany in case I got sick. And, uh, it's an American thing still, isn't it? Follow the benefits to a place you hate, usually. If you, if you notice that, the more someone hates the job, the more they bring up the benefits. How's your job? It's awful, I hate it. But the benefits are good. <laughs> If I get sick, then I'll be happy. <laughs> if I could, like, six months in the hospital would be great. But... So I went to Germany. It was culture shock, Germany, a language. I dove into language, intensive German. Six months, 2,000 bucks, totally worth it, because I now speak the language uh, like a three-year-old uh, with a severe speech impediment. <laughs> I could not talk for three and a half years. That was Germany. My friends would ask, what's it like? What's Germany like? Well, it's like I've had a stroke. <laughs> I cannot talk. I thought I'd learn the German. My friends told me I would. Well, not all my friends, just my friends who only speak one language. They know how easy it is to learn a second language. And they'll tell you, oh, you'll pick up on the German bent because you'll be immersed in people speaking German. Well, guess what, buddy? You're, you're not immersed and people speaking German. You're immersed in people speaking English with a German accent. 
So no progress with my German, but amazing progress with my German accent now. I am not bilingual, but I can sound bilingual. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's great. Now I use my accent to impress random strangers. I can just use it here to impress people. Yeah, I will take the fries with a hamburger. Thank you for the good questions you're making now. Wow. Gee, your English is excellent. Why, thank you. Wow. First time I hear this. Wow, thank you. That's just because English isn't your native language. No, this is because I am from Utah. Never had this before. Couldn't complain either. Not learning German, you can't complain. This is what'll happen. If I complain about not learning German, this is what I get. Well, be grateful you're not learning Chinese. <laughs> grateful? Why? <laughs> Why would you bring that? Why would you bring up something I could never do? I'm not even learning German. Why would I be, be grateful? You stink at something that's kind of easy. You got that going for you. You could be failing at something that's hard, but see, this way you feel stupid and disappointed. You should be grateful. Chinese is harder than German. German's technically kind of easy. The grammar's hard, but there's similar words to English. Same alphabet, whereas Chinese is insanely difficult. There's no similar words or sounds. And, and you have to learn their alphabet. We don't share an alphabet. And it's not just 30, 40 letters. You want to be fluent in Chinese, you are going to have to memorize about 44,000 subtly different drawings of sheds. <laughs> Broken furniture, yoga poses, occasional waffle iron. That's what I see. Like if I look at the menu, how spicy is your broken television? <laughs> eh, really? Well, then I will take the downward dog. Again, I'm a menu coward. <laughs> Chinese is crazy. There's so many shedra. I think Chinese is the only language on earth in which you can write an entire sentence accidentally. You can just, whoops, I'm literate. How did that happen? <laughs> Sometimes a shed drawing will be a whole phrase or sentence and you have to memorize the shed with the sentence. Oh, okay, the broken stepladder next to the guys who in the golf club with the two seagulls on the park bench for the roof shed drawing, my foot hurts. Oh wait, there's a chimney on the shed. Your foot hurts. There's a chimney, it's your foot. When it, wait, there's smoke coming out of the chimney. We've got a new Pope. <laughs> 40,000. Anything could be Chinese. I'm convinced. Anything. Like if you smash a spider on your wall and flick the body away, the legs say something in Chinese. <laughs> Probably a full sentence on your wall. So I didn't even learn German. I didn't learn German while I was there. My son did. My son was fluent in six months because he's a genius. No, he was three. See, he was learning language at a point in life when you're supposed to learn language. I was 46. I was trying to learn language at a point in life when you're probably not supposed to learn anything, I think. <laughs> probably. <laughs> they say it's harder. To learn as you get older. I don't know. I know this. I'm now 52. Okay. And for thousands of years, do you know what the typical 52 year old man did? He died 12 years ago. 
he didn't go over the ocean and learn German, you know? And I think your brain still knows that. So when you try to learn German, your brain, what are you doing? We're just gonna die soon. We die next, we don't learn now. It's dirt nap time, what are you doing? It's not time to learn, this is a bad investment. Your brain knows, it's harder. Actually, they say this, after 40, your brain can't remember and learn new things as well. And it's baloney, here's the thing. My brain could remember and learn new things. It just won't. <laughs> and I know why. This is because it still remembers all that stuff I made it learn in high school and college and then never used. So now it is very cynical about learning new stuff. It doesn't, if I say, come on, we need to learn this, my brain does not trust my judgment. So yeah, that's what you said about high school geometry, straight A's, and now we are a comic that can calculate the volume of a cylinder. Useless. Height times pi r square. I could do it. Do I ever use that skill? Calculate the volume of a cylinder? No. Every time I buy a soda, the answer is right on the can. They put it for you. I mean, it looks about right. They don't show their work, but I believe them. We got lots of useless stuff in our heads. Everybody, even... There's worse cases in the comics. There are people on death row right now that got A's in high school sitting there, man, those A's in geometry are not helping me here on death row. They should not have taught me that information. They, they should have taught me how to hide a body. <laughs> how to clean a crime scene during home ec. That would have been handy. Instead, they teach me how to calculate the area of a trapezoid in case I need to carpet a crooked room. No, well, my rooms are square, pretty much. It's harder to learn, I guess, as you get a little older. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not old, 52. My wife thought I was old at 40. This is how I know she thought I was old. We got transferred to the beach, California. We're right by the beach. What do I get for my 40th year birthday by the beach? Many ideas, maybe snorkeling gear, boogie board? No, metal detector. <laughs> Does this come with dress socks and sandals? Perhaps a hernia belt? <laughs> she thinks I'm old. I found out I think I'm old because I was excited. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go to the beach and find a watch. Woo. The only member of the family more excited than me, the dog. When I took that detector out into the yard and started digging random holes, the dog went nuts. You should try it. They'll run in circles and then join in and look at you and finally somebody who gets me. <laughs> you do get a little bit older. A bit. Things are changing now. Like I've decided to start coloring my hair. I gotta start coloring my hair because my head has decided to stop coloring the hair on the sides and back of my head. But it will continue to grow brown bangs just gonna shoot a nice useful blaze of brown right you know for conversations face to face I'll look maybe 42 walking away 80 year old man this is wearing out <laughs> my teeth are going I've got these gaps in the back of my teeth now I don't know if you have that there's gaps back here now I, in the back I could floss with a tube sock I don't know how they found the room. Well, I do know how they found the room. They're all crammed in the front. I can't even floss 
in the front. It's like they just headed for the exit. It is abandoned ship. He smells funny. The end is near. The ship is sinking. And my eyes, when the eyes go, they get worse. They had to up the ante on my lenses this year. They got thick. Can you see them in the back? Can you see them? Can you see them? Yeah? I cannot see them from here. I cannot see my glasses now unless I am wearing my glasses, which is kind of a convenient way to ruin the day. You know, you just set them down, there goes the morning. What'd you do this morning, Ben? I spent three hours walking around the house, gently touching everything in the house. Palpated all the furniture for about three hours. It's my fault. It's my fault. This is the thing. They told me I need progressives, but I didn't want progressives because progressives make you look old. I'm sorry. They do, as opposed to this maneuver. That doesn't look old at all. I, I, I can now adjust my eyesight with my mouth, too. It's... TV is fun. I, I need the glasses to see the TV, but I can't see the remote through the glasses. So now we do the peer over with the remote. And then I just get the button and then I flick the signal at the TV. And I love on the remote, this is what I love about the remote. They make the volume button and the channel buttons identical because they're horrible people. Well, this is the same show as the other channel, only louder. Are we paying for louder channels? Seems like a ripoff. I'm a grandpa. That's when I, I felt old when I turned into a grandpa. That was a, a line. 48, I became a grandpa. And overnight, you know, you, you go to bed, just a guy, and you wake up a grandpa, and I'm, I'm walking to the shower, I go by the mirror, I see myself in my underwear, and I realize I am now wearing grandpa underwear. <laughs> I went to bed in underwear and woke up in grandpa underwear. We have a whole drawer full of granny panties now, overnight. <laughs> then I took off my underwear and I thought, I am now a naked grandpa. And I'm I'm soaping down a naked grandpa in a shower. Freaking me out. I can never be a naked man again. That'll never happen. You understand that? From now on, I'm a naked grandpa. Which is, that's a good thing, though, because I was not a very impressive naked man. I, I wasn't, I'll be honest. If I ran through the cobbler shop here, naked right now, and you said, naked man, you'd all look and go, see, I've seen better. But if I ran through here naked and someone said, naked grandpa, you'd all look and go, hmm, not bad. That's a pretty good naked grandpa. I'm a top 20% naked grandpa. It's kind of nice. I've never looked worse and I've never felt better about it. I just love, that's a nice thing as you get older, the shift in the nudity goals, it's wonderful. I really like that. Young people, you're worried, you want your body to be beautiful. My age, I just don't want to make anybody sick. You ask big questions too when you get older, the big questions hit you. You know, as you, how long are you gonna last? Your eyes are this bad. How, it's gonna, sure. You know, 10,000 years ago with this eyesight, I would be dead. You too, you'd be dead. 10,000 years ago, you'd be dead. Those are thick, you'd be dead real fast, right? <laughs> we'd be dead, we'd be out in the woods chasing furry, blurry, moving stuff with our spear backwards. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know, like sneaking up on a bison. 
oh, it's a bear. <laughs> now we're dead, because we poked a grizzly with the blunt end of our spear. It's a fatal mistake. We'd be like a people hunting story told by bears. Just once I had one sneak up on me, and then he like poked me with a stick. Then he runt right into a tree. That I am not, ask Ursa, she was there. You remember Ursa, you asked, paw to God. Seriously, I scat you not. Nature doesn't put up with bad eyeballs, does it? It doesn't put up with it. There's, <laughs> there's no cross-eyed cheetahs on the Serengeti. Out there chasing two perfectly synchronized gazelles. Like, wow, these guys must rehearse forever. They are good. There's no bald eagles with lazy eyes. The zoo there are. There's a bunch at the zoo. But in nature, if you're like a far-sighted woodpecker. Let me explain. Far-sighted woodpecker's in trouble. That means you can't see up close. That's not good for a woodpecker. It can't like back up and squint. It can't adjust its eyesight with its beak like I can. Can't ask a buddy, are these maggots on the log? Well, it's dead because it has bad eyesight. It's just, bad eyesight's not compatible with hunting and gathering. That's what we used to have to do. We were all hunters and gatherers. Oh, it used to be if you wanted meat, you had to like chase it down with a rock or a stick. You had to run down the meat. Now you can just walk it down. It's right in the fridge. This is meat speed. I'm working at meat speed right now. You just go over to the fridge and get a sandwich. Easy. Sometimes though, even that's too much work. Isn't it? You've had a long day of doing this and you are tuckered out. My phalanges are pooped. You go over to the fridge, you're gonna scare up a sandwich. You do your pre-sandwich, make an inventory, right? Okay, we got the lettuce, the tomatoes, no more craft Singles, dang it! <laughs> now I have to slice the tomatoes and the cheese? I can't, can't manually slice cheese. I don't have the tools or the skill. The knife's gonna swerve in the cheddar and I'm gonna have a cheddar doorstop screwing up the cheese to sandwich flavor ratios. Oh, I gotta undo the twisty tie on the bread. Which is just, who did this? It's like you're going for a merit badge on this. No wrong way. It's the wrong way. It was right the first time. Do you ever give up on a sandwich? Do you ever do that? You give up. It's too hard. You gotta combine ingredients in order, then there's the twisty tie. I'm only a man. You should go hungry, I think, if you're too lazy for the sandwich. But you don't, do you? You can just go over to the phone now and just order out the food on the phone. Aren't we failing at a very primitive level when we order out food? We are failing to feed ourselves. Like, Hello, Domino's, I am tired and unable to feed myself. <laughs> yes, again. And a half an hour later, I'm sitting on the couch watching a show I hate because I lost the remote. There's a knock at the door and it's open. <laughs> You're not, I'm not even gonna stand up to get the food. The food is literally tracking me down now. And now it's gonna enter my cave. For our ancestors, that's like a mastodon just wanders into the cave, then has like a heart attack over the fire. 
cooking itself after rolling through a sauce puddle and over toppings and onto sharp rocks, cutting itself into easily consumed triangles. Less than 30 minutes or the next one's free. If food doesn't fly into my top hole, 30 minutes after the phone call, someone failed. And it's not me. Physically lazy. <laughs> I am physically lazy. Well, a lot of us are. This is how lazy I am. I'll wake up, first thing I want to do when I wake up now, after all these easy things in life, the first thing I want to do, any ideas? Go back to bed. Just regain consciousness. And I just want more uh, unconsciousness. I mean, shouldn't I be a little bit grateful for regaining consciousness? That's an important event. Most important of every day is waking up. Shouldn't I be a little grateful? Like, wow, how long was I out? Nine hours, holy cow, I almost died. That was a closey. Instead, I opened my eyes, oh, not this crap again. Man, consciousness stinks. Kind of lazy. This is when I found out I was really lazy. My wife and I, we moved to Germany and I became the stay-at-home dad in Germany. And that was the hardest work ever. The two kids, the housework. Here's the thing about housework that I learned. The other person only notices what you don't do. You can spend hours cleaning that house or like 20 minutes right before she comes home. <laughs> First words out of her mouth. Why is that pan on the stove? Cause I'm gonna hit you with it. A stovetop recipe for gratitude. I'll bring it to you. You gotta clean. We didn't do housework the same. <laughs> I can't even help. I'm bad at the housework. I can't even find things. She'll send me to the basement. And if I say, I, I couldn't, I can't, I can't find it. She gets kind of mean. Well, did you look? <laughs> oh no, I didn't. I just smelled. That is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I went down there. In fact, I did. I closed my eyes so I could hear better. And then I took a big whiff. <laughs> Next time I'll look, I'll use my eyeballs. The housework was tough, man. We didn't do it the same. Like, even when I helped, it didn't help. Like, my wife, hey, did you, did you see Ian's mittens? Where is mittens? They're under the bathroom sink. Is she grateful? No, she's angry. She's angry because instead of putting them away, I memorized where they were. That's how I do housework. I find stuff in the wrong place and go, wow, you are lost. You stay here, I'll go get help. So Boy Scout rules applied to housework. Didn't do it the same. It's her. I find you have fights when you start raising kids. They're hard, they're hard. It's a, it's a tough task. It makes you ask the big questions in life. That's what I find. Why am I here? That's a big question. Why am I here? Usually when I ask that question, it's right after I enter the grocery store. <laughs> and I go, why am I here? And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, because my wife sent me here to get something, and I can't remember what it is. And I'm not gonna call and ask her because I am not making that phone call again. <laughs> Just load the gun that shoots ya. Like, hey, you remember earlier when you sent me to the store? You do? Well, I don't. <laughs> I was nodding and looking at you. Well, I guess I was pretending to listen. <laughs> well, can you answer me this? Did I drive or did you drop me off? 
Okay, then I will continue to look for my keys. I can't do that. So now I have to wander through the store, hope something jogs my lousy memory so I can remember what I agreed to buy while I was pretending to listen to her. And it doesn't work, so I'll start guessing. I will buy $400 worth of guest groceries. A whole pile. And it never works every time. Come home. Did you get the Spanish olives? And then this is what I'll do. Oh, I forgot. Which is a lie. You can't forget something you never heard. I don't even know what I need when I send myself to the store. I don't know. I think the breezeway just wipes my head clean. I'll come into the store, I'll walk right by the carts, because I don't need a cart. I'm just getting a few items, right? <laughs> Five minutes later, I'm in front of the donuts, loaded up to the chin like a looter. I need a cart, basically. I'm trying to vote something off the island so donuts can come home with. And there is a time limit because within minutes, this gallon of milk is going to rip my fingers off. <laughs> and then people walk by and tell you about the existence of carts. Do you know there's carts? In oh, <laughs> yes, I know about what, like, I don't know what a cart is. Wow, a wheeled basket. Where did you get that? <laughs> Some genius. I'd flip you off right now, but then I would drop my bacon. <laughs> This is my favorite thing to do shopping. I'll go to the store, pay for my groceries, walk out without them. <laughs> After an hour of shopping, I kind of forget what I've been doing. I see the cashier, you look like you could use a couple hundred dollars. There you go. <laughs> but it's fun, it's fun for everybody. So I'll get almost to the door and then the bag boy makes it fun. He'll hold up my groceries and say, hey, you forgot these, you might want these. <laughs> and then everyone laughs with them. Oh, silly man. And then I'm embarrassed. So I go, wow, what a weird day. It's not, it's normal. <laughs> That's none of their business. And it's fun. This was the funnest I had with this. I forgot the groceries like normal. I'm embarrassed, I get my groceries. I get almost back to the door. And then the bag boy, whole different tone of voice. Uh, sir, and your wallet and keys. Whole different tone. You know, it went from this is funny to this is a serious situation. <laughs> is this like a silver alert? Is that what they call it? <laughs> and he didn't wave them around either. It was very careful. He handed them about slow and like no sudden movements. It, like he was feeding a carrot to a wild deer. Gonna, Don't run, little buddy. There you go. And the people weren't laughing either now. They were looking at each other like, wow, we should not have been laughing at him. I did not know he was that dumb. And the produce manager knew. He was serious to him. He kind of came over slow. Then he kind of grabbed my arm and like, uh, are you here alone? Alone, as in who is watching him? Does he have a bracelet or ID or something? So he said, are you here alone? And uh, this was my response. <laughs> Which is the wrong response. And he, he grabbed harder and he said, uh, did you drive? And I'm like, yes, I drove alone and I'm fine. I'm okay. Can we help you out to your car? No, I don't want you to help me out of the car. Okay, I don't want you out there when I can't find it. <laughs> so that's the last step. It's me in the parking lot with my Ford Fiesta keys in the air. Just trying to use them to set off the alarm on my little Spanish party. <laughs> Ditsy brain. Which, when you're raising kids, is a problem. I, I had a baby. I was in charge of a baby with this brain. 
Babies easier than toddlers, of course. You can just watch the baby. Toddlers, you have to like intervene because 10, 30, 100 times a day, they'll make an attempt on their life. No warning signs. They'll just be playing and all of a sudden, I wonder what electricity would taste like. And then you save their life and they try to smash in your face with their skull. They're like, meddling giant. But babies, this was the hardest part about the babies. I had the baby at home, this is in Germany. My wife would call from the office around 11. So how's the baby? And I would panic. Cause I had not thought about the baby for hours. How's the baby? Better question, where's the baby? I'm in, I hope it's upstairs in the crate or the crib. Either way, it's the same thing. It's a fancy crate. But I'm not sure it's up there cause I haven't heard nor smelled it for a couple hours. I hope it's sleeping and constipated in the crate. That's what I'm hoping. That was my deal with babies. You have to remember where you set them down. They're like your cell phone or car keys. Who's in charge? In charge of the house with this brain. Scary. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And at least at least uh, fights. You do have a little more fights after you get married, raising kids. Like I got my son ready for bed once. Got him ready for bed one night. Brush his teeth, read the story, put on his pajamas, bring him in to see my wife, to say goodnight. My wife said, well, he doesn't match. <laughs> what are you talking about? His pajamas, they don't match. You have him in spaceships and dinosaurs. <laughs> and I said, no, I have him in a shirt and a pant. <laughs> if I had him in a shirt and a shirt, you would have an argument. <laughs> that would be bad for his little psyche, like a shirt pant, some sort of high-waisted crotchless capri. <laughs> not good for a little guy. The spaceship dinosaur, we're gonna sleep through that crisis. Literally, no one will ever see that, ever, ever. Worst case scenario, kidnapper. Like gets him under a dome light in the van. Well, this little feller doesn't even match. Not gonna get any ransom for this unwanted child. That's the worst that could happen. Like an embarrassing Amber Alert. And my wife did not agree. She said, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I care about matching pajamas. How hard is it for you to make pajamas match? How hard is it really? And I said, it's easy to make a match. Watch this. And then I turned out the light. <laughs> no. 
Don't clap for that. I should not have done that. That was mean. <laughs> you're different. You like different things. That's important. You actually become emotional opposites after you become a couple. Did you know this? When your partner gets very upset emotionally, your instinct is to try to calm them down by acting calmer, which makes them feel clinically insane for being angry. So they get angrier, then you get calmer, they get angry, and then maybe you tell them now, calm down, and then maybe someone dies right then. <laughs> Never tell them to calm down. You try to act as angry as they are. And if you want them to calm down, you should probably act about twice as angry. Do you see when I'm, say you're driving, you're stuck behind a slow car in the fast lane. He's really upset, right? Now, if you say, calm down, calm down, makes it worse. But if you say, stop screwing around and run him off the road. <laughs> Just run him off the road. The golf clubs are in the truck. You beat him in the hospital. Let's kill this. See, and then he will say, oh, uh, maybe we should just both calm down. You get married. You don't know how different you are when you meet. You don't notice how different you are in your meet because you're so hot and heavy and love. Those, Engaged couples are creepy. They have no idea. I was next to an engaged couple on a plane. They're already kind of making out. Because <laughs> that's what they are. And then we take off and they announce an emergency landing. They're gonna empty the fuel on the plane. And it's scary, scary, I'm worried. The engaged couple start making out more. He said to her, at least we'll die together. I couldn't live without you anyway. You are so awesome. Just sick. So now I'm terrified and nauseous. But that's the engaged love phase. But meanwhile, right across the aisle, is an older married couple. I told you we should have taken an earlier flight. They're gonna squeeze in one last fight before they die. Because they're married, that's what you do. It's like, oh, so this is my fault. I say sleep in and everybody dies, my fault. You know, why don't you talk louder? Then everybody on the plane will want to die like I do. You could do that for the whole plane. I wanna die. I'm taking off my seatbelt. You see that? I'll put down the tray too. I wanna die. The thought of living to face your mother alone? I think not. She married you. The activities that were romantic while you were dating will make you fight after you get married. Do you remember this? Let's go for a drive. When you're dating, awesome. How's the married drive, married couples? How is that? Wonderful. I stare, she tells me, when I screw up. And by when, I mean when it is too late. Every time, you should have turned there. I should have turned. Thank you for withholding that information. Until it was criticism. That was beautiful. The way you weaponized it. I noticed this the first time my wife and I went married canoeing. Also the last time we went canoeing with my sister-in-law and her fiance. See, they were in the engaged canoe. They're in the love boat. We're in the Titanic. Engaged canoeing was awesome. He's in the back steering like you do. She's up front spotting for rocks. Left, honey, a little more left. All right, my little navigator bunny. Then they would hit a rock. Well, that was my fault. No, that was my, you are so awesome. You are more awesome. That was what they, they would hit rocks, argue over who was more awesome, and then make out. Just disgusting, sick, sick. Fish were puking. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the married canoe, 
the merry canoe. My wife's up in front. I'm in the back. She's up there. Left. Okay, left. We need to go. Le try your other left. Genius. <laughs> Holy mother of dumb. Have you forgotten your left from your right? Seriously, have you ever known the difference? Have you been guessing for 32 years? <laughs> and then we get the canoe in the water. Mary canoeing was two hours of staring at the back of her knacking skull, then down at my paddle, and then back at her skull. Oh, you should have worn a helmet. <laughs> when the Mary canoe hits a rock, you're gonna kill us both. Man, you got it half right. <laughs> so if you're married, you both understand that impulse to kill, but you don't. You don't when you're married. You never hit or kill your spouse, and that's married love all the proof you need when you're married, right? You still love me, baby? You woke up, didn't you? <laughs> hey, you guys, you've been wonderful. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. My name is Bent Washburn, and I have been doing stand-up comedy for a living for 26 years, and <laughs> been doing this for 26 years, and I still have to tell you who I am. Glad you think that's funny. <laughs> that's how it's been going. <laughs> not famous, and I'm a comic nobody's heard of. In fact, when you're not a famous comic and you are funny, people are surprised. They're surprised. They'll come up to me, man, you are not bad. It's confusion. It's like a, something people believe. If you're a comic and you're not funny, it's because you're incompetent. That's fair, right? If you're not famous for doing it, you're not good at doing it. That's fair. I think that's a standard we should apply to everybody. What you do for a living, sir? What's your job? What was that? Structural engineer. Hate to say this, but you don't look familiar. What's your name? Kevin Miller. Kevin Miller. Never heard of you. You must suck. <laughs> must be pretty bad. I mean, no offense. I'd still hire you. Uh, you're all I can afford because I'm not famous. Uh, that's how it goes. So you know how it feels, don't you? Not being, not being famous. It's awful. It's awful. Every time we meet someone, we have to tell them our name. It's humiliating. <laughs> have to tell them our name because they're not famous, and then they have to tell us their name because they're not famous either. <laughs> then, of course, we instantly forget each other's names because neither of us are famous. Why remember? You know, it's a meaningless interaction. <laughs> it's humiliating. It's is anybody famous here tonight? Do we have any famous? <laughs> Not one famous person. This is, this is a ludicrous meeting. Okay, well, we'll do what we do. Of course, people wonder this. Uh, they'll say, Bent, you're not famous. How did you get this sweet, 
dry bar gig if you're not famous? Well, first, I told them I was somebody else. <laughs> and then I didn't let them find out who I actually was until it was too late. <laughs> See? Tell them you're someone else. Don't let them find out who you are until it's too, wait, uh, too late. It's a lot like running for office. <laughs> it's very and, uh, right? We know showbiz and politics long ago won. All right. And of course, the longer you're not famous, the worse it gets. The older you get and not famous, because see, there's the thing, a young comic, you say, well, they're not famous yet. <laughs> There's still time. They could pan out. They probably won't. That's the business, but <laughs> it could. It's more awkward. When a comic my age has a bad set, it's way more awkward. Because there's still hope with a young comic. They have a bad set, and you go, well, at least they're young. At least she's young. She, hopefully she gets better. One day she's famous. She makes her parents proud. Right? I have a bad set. Well, at least his parents aren't alive to see this. It's, uh... Are they dead? I hope they're dead. Ooh. They're not. Don't show them this, for goodness sakes. It's the last thing a parent should see is... a premium on youth, isn't there? In our culture, in this business, it's magnified. And I learned this when I was in my early 40s, how you just have to look young for this business. And uh, I was in LA, I had a good set. So did all the other young comics, early 30s, 20s. They had good sets. After the show, there's a man in a suit, very important looking, across the crowd. He was eyeing all the comics. And we thought, oh, this is, he's a manager, he's an agent, he's coming towards us, somebody's going to get a break. Who will it be, the older guy who's paid his dues, one of the youngsters? He came straight to me, only I got his card. Was he a manager? Was he an agent? No, he was a plastic surgeon. <laughs> oh, and I got his last card, by the way. Plastic surgeon with one card, 300 people, I got the card. <laughs> what does that say? And I, I asked him, you think I need surgery? I don't think, I mean, I've been thinking about it, but you think I need surgery, I'm not ugly. And he said, well, come by my office sometime, we can talk about it. And I said, well, can't you just eyeball a diagnosis? <laughs> In fact, did you not just eyeball a diagnosis? When you gave me your last card, making me the winner of your little ugly contest right there? Can, can't they just eyeball it? Does anybody know? Or are these plastic surgeons like all the other doctors? You know, they, they take your pulse and they weigh you and measure your height. Then there's blood samples, urine samples, stool samples. Do the plastic surgeons do that? Call you a few weeks later with the results from the lab? Well, we got your results back, sir, and uh, you do not look good. <laughs> Much worse than we thought. We, we found ugly in your blood, your urine, and your stool. High levels in your stool. You are but ugly. I, I, I think you should do something about this immediately. This is... 
you don't want to die like this, I recommend emergency elective surgery. Uh, first thing Monday morning, I'm going to cancel all the other appointments. They'll be kind of upset because they're a little ugly too, but I'm, I'm going to show them your picture. They'll understand. And then you would say, well, oh, this is weird. I did not even feel ugly. And he would say, well, you've probably been ugly for years. You just got used to it. As did everyone around you. This is what the plastic surgeon told me, which I kind of admitted. He said, like you said, you're, you're, you're just getting a little older. And he's right, especially in this business. Why look a little older when you can get some plastic surgery and look creepy? <laughs> Why? Oh, that's, that's not fair. Because it works. A little plastic surgery looks great. I have friends who've done a little and it looks awesome. They do a little more, it looks great. They do a little too much and whoa! That's how it is. There's no such thing as a little too much. You cross the threshold and bammo! It's, it's like you adjust, you make another adjustment and then it all falls apart with the last little. It's like playing Django with your face. probably do it. I'm probably gonna because I worry about I will. I'll do it and I'll lose. I'll lose <laughs> playing Jenga with my face show up at my family Christmas party and of course my four older brothers are gonna bug me about that one. Ooh, Bent, I see you got a little work done. A little bit it looks like a little too much work. <laughs> Look like you is this the look you were going for? Or? Were you surprised? You look surprised. You look, you look. You look shocked, frankly. It's like there's an air horn somewhere and you're the only one that can hear it. That's what, that's what it looks like. But a little's great. I'll do that. <laughs> Show's going well. Uh, I mean, for someone who's not famous, it's pretty good. Uh, didn't swear once, I'm pretty proud. Career's going well now. It actually is. I mean, I'm not famous, but it's. When I started, it was awful. I gotta be honest. When I started comedy, I was a 30 year old man living in a tent, divorced and living in a tent at 30. That's when I started. Divorced and living in a tent, which was. I could have, like, slept on couches, but I wanted the tent so that I'd have more privacy for crying. <laughs> 
turns out uh, it's very hard to cry in a tent in the woods. <laughs> First time I did that, I started crying and then I heard something outside. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get it out of my head. If you're crying in the woods, there's a bear or a mountain lion thinking, hey, is that a wounded animal? <laughs> in that tent and it was tough you don't want to tell it's tougher for kids that's who divorce is horrible for they live in two different worlds now that's very hard with different rules those irreconcilable differences two different places affect like my daughter she's with her mom who's very neat and tidy bedtime at eight do your homework bedtime at eight and very kind not like me nice you know like oh don't say stupid honey stupid's a bad word that robs people of their dignity then she comes to my house, you know, bedtime at eight, that's stupid. <laughs> and sometimes she would correct us with rules from her mom's house. Like, oh, grandma, you said stupid. My mom says the word stupid is bad. My mom says the word stupid robs people of their dignity. And then my mom has to defend her position. You know, oh, honey, stupid people don't have any dignity. <laughs> They lose that when they do something stupid. Just, just ask your dad. Well, he knows. Living in a tent. Pup tent. Can't even stand erect in his shelter. Really, it's not a shelter. It's a tent. It's not a shelter when you can get killed in your sleep by a lawn dart. But, uh, had a blunt mom. She was great. Very blunt. I didn't tell people I was going through this bad thing for a long time. And then finally started telling people about the embarrassing tent divorce situation. And when you tell a lot of your friends and family that you're, you're divorced, you soon find out which of your friends and family should also probably be divorced. Based on their response, told one of my brothers, man, I'm divorced and living in a tent. He said, man, I kind of envy your freedom. Ooh, that's a bad sign for a marriage. If you're jealous of a homeless man's freedom, that should never. If you see someone sleeping on a bench in a park at noon and you think, man, my wife would never let me do that. Look at that lucky guy. Noon, sleeping peacefully, unmolested, whole bench to himself. Look at that. Didn't know. <laughs> you can turn it around. That's the beauty of life. You can turn, life can turn around. You make some good decisions in a row. You just hold it together. And this is an amazing, true thing. This is totally true. I met my wife of 18 years while living in that tent. Isn't that amazing? Here's how. But here's, here's how. Blind date. It's crazy, huh? Thank goodness for horrible friends. They lined her up with a homeless dude. They didn't even ask. I don't know what they told her. Well, he loves the outdoors. He's, uh, he's good with knots. He smells like deet. But, uh, You won't have to worry about gnats or mosquitoes on your date. We dated all summer. 
while I lived in that tent all summer, and then I know for me, things got really serious in the fall as it got colder. And then, <laughs> married happily. Since then. <laughs> so it's going well. It is, it has been going well. In fact, this is how well it's going. I bought new clothes for this show. Totally new clothes. I know the pants don't look new, but they are. That's, that's how expensive they are. See all the fading? That's pre-faded. Yeah, you pay extra for that. I, I remember, this is how old I am. I remember when pre-washed jeans were the rage. Then they came out with pre-worn, and then somewhere in like the 80s, they came up with pre-destroyed, <laughs> mauled, shredded pants. And my first thought was, how do you get out the blood stains? It looks like you just pulled those out of the hamper at the emergency room. <laughs> wow, this guy got stabbed in the groin. And then the, the kids want them. And it's awkward as a parent to buy a teenager a pair of those pants because as a parent, you want to make your teenager feel grateful slash guilty about everything <laughs> you buy for them. And it's hard to do with these pants. It doesn't work verbally. Well, you are lucky, kiddo. I hope you would appreciate. Why, when I was your age, we had to wear out our own clothing. We had to. If I, if I wanted pants like that, I'd have to, I don't know, get mauled by the, a badger from the waist down, roll around in bleach. No, our clothes were new. We looked ridiculous. I couldn't afford to pay someone to mess up our pants like that. It's amazing. People get paid to do that somewhere over the ocean. There's kids like messing up these pants, or maybe not. Maybe they just wear out their pants and ship them here. Maybe the teenagers are wearing secondhand third world clothing. It's possible. But actually, that's not what's going on. They're in a factory, just a young kid in a factory, like 14, wearing perfectly new pants, because that's all he can afford. <laughs> He's like going at him with a fork and a saw and sandblaster, and then, man, Americans are crazy. This is weird. <laughs> and now I can't. Now that I can afford the really torn up crappy pants, I can't wear those. At my age, you can't get away with ironic poverty. It won't. Yeah. So I won't look hip, I'll look homeless again. Can't get away with irony and sarcasm as much. Uh, I find that's an age difference. At my age, it's hard to... 
It's hard to get away with sarcasm because young people just think you're being mean at my age. <laughs> See, I was kidding. I don't think you were. <laughs> it's irony. I was being ironic, really, at your age. I don't... Plus, what is and isn't mean has just changed. The boundaries of propriety. I mean, and I lose track. I'm always inappropriate at the... Like, this happened. I was joking around. I, I was buying televisions. I was going to buy a new... Not... I was going to buy multiple. I was buying a television. <laughs> Things aren't going that well. And, uh... We had all the TVs out in front of me, and I'm trying to choose them. And I got it down to, you know, like, between a Sony... That's like a Japanese television brand. A Sony and a Samsung and an LG. And I'm looking at, like, seven or eight screens for, like, 40 minutes. And I just can't figure out which to get. And finally, I turn to the clerk and I say, you know what, I hate to admit this, but to me, I think all Asian televisions look alike. It's a joke. That's a joke. Come on. Because that's what he did. He kind of shook it off. Like, come on, I was joking. And I can't tell the difference between Asian televisions. They all look the same. He could tell, of course he can. He's Korean. He could tell. Yeah, he's Korean or Japanese. I can't tell. But... The point is, is that racist? I don't think it is. It's just I'm stupid. I've never, an inexperience. I've never had the opportunity to see those two different nationalities next to each other. You know, side by side. I didn't have it in college. I, I never took a math class. I never, that was a little racist. That was, that was. But, but also accurate. I never took math. Some people would say I'm racist. I don't think I am. I know this. I'm definitely less racist than my great-grandparents. <laughs> that changes over time. Did you know this? Racism wasn't even... That term wasn't even coined until 1902. 1902, they came up with that word, which seems a little late. <laughs> to be doing something that much and not even have a word for it. <laughs> Hundreds of years. And it makes me wonder what horrible thing are we doing now that we don't even have a word for? <laughs> and then your kids are gonna come up with that word, young people, and they're gonna throw it in your face like, Grandpa, you were a swiggler. We were all swigglers. <laughs> Everybody swiggled, it was a different world. Yes, we accumulated debt. We lived beyond our means. We swiggled, yes. <laughs> and you know why we accumulated all that debt? Because it's expensive to ruin the earth. <laughs> Costs money to make all the nuclear weapons and chemical weapons, big piles of them. Costs money, they ain't gotta pay someone to guard that. All that plastic in the ocean, you think that was free? No, we had to buy that. <laughs> Throw it in there and buy some more.
But you know, if we hadn't spent that money right now, right now, it would only be two degrees warmer instead of six. <laughs> Do you know that? Takes money to turn up the heat. We hadn't have done that, what right now, you'd be wearing a sweater. You're welcome. And those torn pants would be a bit chilly, wouldn't they? Yeah. You're welcome for that. You got, I don't know, that's a touchy subject. Global warming, very political. The weather is now the most political hot topic. Used to be literally small talk. Now it'll start a fight. And I bring it up and everybody's wondering, does he believe in global warming? And I will answer your question by asking you a question. Do you believe in global warming? Because honestly, whatever you believe, that's what I'll believe. If I hang out with you long enough. That's how we work. Problem, I think the problem is, uh, it's just too easy to believe stuff. Humans are really susceptible to believing stuff. Do you know this? Humans will believe just about anything if we hear it three times. If you hear something three times, you'll believe it. Do you believe me or do I need to tell you one more time? Is that... this, this is how it works. This is how it works. You hear something crazy the first time, you might not believe it. Maybe you heard this. Maybe this swept through Provo, Utah. Did you hear this? Do you know the average person swallows eight spiders in their sleep every year? You heard that and your brain said, that couldn't be right. But a couple days later, you heard someone else. Did you know the average person swallows eight spiders in their sleep every year? And your brain says, yeah, I think I've heard that before. Then a couple days later, you're with someone. They said, did you know the average person swallows eight spiders? Yeah, in their sleep every year. I know, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> All right, I hear stuff, I remember it, and I believe it. I'm like you, I'm self-educated. All right? <laughs> and eight's just average. That's average, okay? That's the average. It depends on where you live. Depending on how many, I've noticed this, once you believe just kind of BS that you hear, you will add your own flavors and spices. Eight's <laughs> the average. If you live way up north, it's too cold, not as many spiders to swallow, plus more beards per capita, so the spiders can't get over the beards <laughs> while you're sleeping. That drops the average. You live by the equator, it's way too big. The spiders are too big to swallow. No one swallows a tarantula in their sleep. That drives the average down. What drives the average up is the temperate climate, like through North America there, where there's trillions of bite-sized spiders living there in the spider belt. or arachnid alley, depending on which term you hear three times. <laughs> so we're just susceptible. We can all, you can end up with this dumb opinion. You ever had one? Sure. If you haven't, then you definitely have some. <laughs> That's how it works. And it's, man, it's easy to form a dumb opinion and keep it. And the smart opinions are tough, right? right? You gotta learn stuff and think critical and there's logic and stupid opinions are way easier. You form them, easier to defend too. Like a smart opinion, you gotta cite evidence. You know, stupid opinion, this is how you defend. 
a stupid opinion. You ready for this? This is how you defend. This is how you do it. Well, that's not, that's, that's what I heard. <laughs> You can just cite hearing it as evidence that it's true. If it's a dumb enough opinion, well, I've heard it like three times, okay? Everybody's saying it. Any idiot knows. Yeah, we consulted the idiots. We thought, well, let's see what the idiots are saying. It's really easy to defend. They're also easy to attack. This is how you attack a stupid opinion, right? This is how you do it. Well, that's not what I heard. <laughs> you will just cite not hearing it as evidence that it's not true. You expect me to believe there's something true I haven't heard at least three times. Look, this is the first time I'm hearing this. And none of the idiots, look, I'm an idiot. And then you get defensive, we do that. People get defensive, huh? They're like, well, you call me a liar? No, maybe I'm just saying, maybe you heard something that's not true, like three times. <laughs> then believe it, I'm, I'm, not calling, I'm not calling you a liar, I'm calling you stupid. <laughs> you say I'm stupid, you're saying I'm stupid. Well, that's what I heard. <laughs> Several times with your wife, all the idiots. Did you hear it three times, you believe it. <laughs> here's what's here's what's weird. Hit confirmation bias. You heard of that? I have several times. <laughs> confirmation bias is the part of us that if we hear something that matches what we already believe, then we'll believe it the first time we hear it. So now you're believing stuff the first time you hear it if it matches up the stuff you heard three times. <laughs> See what I mean? This is how it works. Like, do you know the average person swallows about 18 insects in their sleep every, I believe it. <laughs> We're already swallowing like eight spiders. Probably why they go in there. They're chasing the bugs. That's what's going on. It's a wonder anybody starves, frankly. So that's the way it is with, I think, with uh, global warming. It's one of these things. There's definitely a generational difference with the global warming. It's like my daughter, whole different feeling about it. There's a warm day in winter here a little while ago. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. It's like last year. She was seven. She came home from school scared, talking about global warming. She was, see, she was scared by a warm winter day. When I was a kid, we enjoyed a warm winter day. It was fun because we didn't see it as a symptom of impending doom. So we enjoyed it the same way you would enjoy sudden weight loss until you find out it's an intestinal parasite. (laughs) (laughs) Fun. (laughs) And actually, it was a lot worse. I don't know if you know that. Uh, If you're not old enough to remember, the environment was actually much worse for a while. We made progress. We should take... Be happy about that. A lot of the air way worse, way way worse. It was so bad. The environment was so bad. We noticed it. <laughs> us, the scientists didn't have to tell us there was a problem. You know, like with global warming, would you notice that on your own? Really? If you live by a glacier, yes, you would. You'd look out your window and say, "Wow, we've got a yard now, <laughs> full of boulders." When did that happen? But. Like global warming, the ocean, it used to go up like a little under two millimeters. Now it's going up about almost four millimeters a year. But really, would you notice on your own that change in depth when you went to the beach? Would you go to, hey, does the ocean seem a little deeper to you this year? This seems a little deeper. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and it's a bit more acidic. Did you taste it? It's zingier, isn't it? It's more acidy. I think you're right. I think this beach could use a couple tablespoons of baking powder. (laughs) So it notice. Whereas it was so bad, it was so nasty. We didn't need a scientist to tell us in the 70s that there was a problem when in 1973, the Cuyahoga River in Ohio burst into flames. (laughs) See what I mean? Any idiot knows there's a problem. When there's a flammable river. Doesn't need to be a scientist. You don't even need a GED for that. It's probably some junior high dropout down smoking by the river because it was good for you. And he like threw the butt in the river and I was like, oh, that is not supposed to do that. That is, uh... I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that's supposed to extinguish my cigarette. It is. This is spreading like a son of a gun. Yeah, call the fire department, but tell them to check their water. Because we might have had us a paradigm shift here. (laughs) Flaming river. And I feel bad for the scientists in a way, because... They have to try to communicate this stuff to us. 
to a guy like me for years, I thought, I, well, why can't you explain it to me? Many people, they will, well, explain it to me. And they're like, Ben, we can't. You're too stupid. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm too, remember earlier how you didn't take math? That's the problem. <laughs> You're not gonna, you don't get it. <laughs> and then they have to try to not only point out something you wouldn't notice that make you worried about it. And they're not always the best at marketing. Global warming, warm, bad word. If you want to mobilize people, don't put warm in the title. <laughs> oh, no warm, will it also be toasty? <laughs> right, warm is at worst inconvenient. At worst, like, dang it, my Kit Kat melted. <laughs> Completely. Wrapper, all the contest instructions covered with chocolate. I have to lick off this wrapper to see if I'm a winner. <laughs> Warm's not scary. Now in the 70s, bad problem, genius marketing. Whoever came up with this great idea to mobilize people. What's scarier, global warming, acid rain. <laughs> That'll get your attention. Acid will be raining out of the sky. You want all the information and details. Oh, what kind of acid? Holy cow. What kind of acid? Like sulfuric battery acid? What do I do? Do I pull my car in the garage? That kind of acid? Or is my hippy dippy neighbor gonna run outside with his mouth open? Is this a party or a problem? name that'll get your attention anybody's attention acid rain that's that's that is crazy that's even old testament crazy even the old testament god would like ease up with you know what moses let's hold off on the acid rain maybe we would just not yeah Second thought, let's hold off on the acid rain. Let's, uh, let's see how they respond after we kill all their firstborn. You guys have been great. Good night, everybody. If you love what you heard today, don't keep it to yourself. Share this episode with friends and family and let's spread the laughter. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on today's guests and special offers just for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back soon with even more laughs. Join the fucking funny community today. <laughs>